Talk the, the Thrones. Thrones. The Ringer's instant reaction show for all things Ice and Fire is back. Now as a pod. To cover the new Game of Thrones spinoff, House of the Dragon. Every Sunday night, the Ringerverse, Chris Ryan, that's me. Joanna Robinson. And I, Mallory Rubin, will be breaking down the latest episode. Sharing our thoughts on all the schemes and plots. Uh, schemes and plots are the same thing. Dragons. And incest. Hey, it's a Game of Thrones show. So boot up your favorite podcast player and head to the dragon pit. Because fire and pods will rain. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. All right, it's official. I think I've discovered the ultimate coupling of all time. Like any good relationship, they really balance each other out. One is super sweet, and the other, well, they can be a little nutty sometimes. It is, of course, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. So perfect, some would call it true love. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This episode is brought to you by Priceline. When it comes to travel, we all have that happy place, whether it's the beach, ski slopes, couples getaway, or even a visit to that best friend you haven't seen in way too long. And Priceline wants to get you there for a happy price so you never have to miss a trip. For me, my happy place is in the Mediterranean. I think I've mentioned that. Maybe it's why I like Love Island so much because they're right by the Mediterranean. But I just love the feeling of being in the sea and it's just a great sea. And now, thanks to Priceline's VIP family feature, you can go to your happy place more often while earning deals up to five times faster with a group. When one person from the squad travels, everyone gets more deals. And you even get to choose your crew. It doesn't have to be your actual family. It could be your neighbor, your roommate, your mailman, anyone. The more you travel, the more you save. And for me, I'd love to go on a trip to the Mediterranean with friends. In fact, I might be doing that in the near future. I have done it before, And it was really some of the most fun I've ever had. I went to Sicily. We had some great swimming there, me and my friends. Anyway, if you want to have a similar experience, download the Priceline app today to save up to 60% off select hotels and go to your happy price with Priceline. Welcome to Bachelor Party. This is the B-Side. I'm Juliette Littman. I am here with Jody Walker. Jody, hello. How are you? Juliet, hello. I am doing well. As you know, I am in New York right now. My former stomping grounds, you're always stomping grounds. So I'm thrilled, but I have spent a large chunk of that New York time consuming Bachelorette content. And so that is, that's a little tough to stomach, but... <laughs> Welcome and to my yet. world. <laughs> oh, you know I'm in it. <laughs> you know I'm putting out 3,000 words a week on this nonsense. Oh my God. If you haven't read Jody's recap of this past week's episodes, or in general, definitely check them out on theringer.com. They are very funny, very insightful, and I'm delighted to talk to you about some of it. Um, the structure of my and Callie's recap a couple of days ago was uh, a kind of ranking of the biggest what the fucks. And... Collectively, we landed on Jason as number one. But personally, I really feel the biggest what the fuck has to do with Zach. And Zach's really confusing, like, morning after. So, Jody, what is your best theory of what happened between Zach and Rachel? Because his stated reason, I just wanted to say, his stated reason is that she was questioning his readiness for engagement due to his age. I think that is definitely like just a very small portion 
of whatever they talked about. And I'm curious what you think. My theory is pretty simple and pretty based in uh, real world dating, I think, which is that Zach is fully in love with Rachel. Um, he is like a pretty, he, he seems, he does not seem immature to me, but he does seem young in that maybe he doesn't have a ton of experience and that he sort of fell in love with her very quickly. And I think that Rachel, um, was very romanticized by a lot of their early dates where they watched home videos and wept together. As you know, I was very taken with that date. Uh, contrary, contrary to most of the rest of the world. I love home videos. What can I say? <laughs> and I think you can learn a lot from that. And I think that they did. And I was like, oh, these two people just fell in love. Unfortunately, I think Zach fell in love and Rachel did not. And she's just been slowly realizing that her feelings aren't that strong for him which is fine. But what's not fine is I think she marched his happy ass into that fantasy suite, kind of being like, okay, I'm going to be the perfect bachelorette who has, you know, three normal fantasy suites. I'm going to do this the good old fashioned way. And then I'm going to cut Zach loose. Like, I think that she knew she was going to probably cut Zach loose, even though we haven't seen that come to fruition yet from the moment they walked into that fantasy suite. So she started concocting reasons to break up with him. And the easiest one was that he's too young to really know that he wants to commit, to commit to her, even though he's been very clear from very early on that he wants to commit to her. So I think she just kind of made this thing up. <laughs> and that's why he's like seeing this, um, what, like, what does he call her? Like, I don't, I can never keep up with what versions of like disingenuine uh, reality stars use. He called her unauthentic. Un okay, unauthentic. I think um, her inauthentic demeanor was that she was like making this up and trying to kind of make it a thing so that she could feel good about breaking up with him. And also the darkest side of that is so that she'd have like a reasonable narrative to break mm -hmm. up with him. I do think I've never thought this about her before, but it did make me start side eyeing is like, oh, she's kind of trying to create a narrative around this that will that will look good. Mm -hmm. And I don't love it. I don't love it either. I don't really care about Zach. Like, I just like, I feel like people like him. Uh, I think you like him. Do you like him? I have great affection for Zach. Uh, as I have expressed on multiple podcasts across the Ringer universe, um, I love a himbo. And I think that ever since I found out that Zach's <laughs> uncle is Patrick Warburton, uh, Kronk from Emperor's New Groove, that's just really colored my perception of Zach as like, as like just a, a lovable himbo who would be extremely easy to be married to if you can get down with that, with, you know, having like simple, lovely conversations and kind of like giggling over chips and salsa like we saw them doing at the end <laughs> of the episode. <laughs> so I think that's, it. it's like, yeah, he, he, and, and it, I never think about how young he is. He he doesn't he's 25. seem 25. Yeah, he's I agree. He he carries himself older. Um I don't even think about him as a himbo. I just think he seems like super lame. I think it's because he was so into like their first date that you loved that I hated that I was just like <laughs> this guy sucks. I was like who who likes this kind of thing? So me, Julia. <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, I mean, obviously I would hate that date if I was on it. I'd never go on The Bachelorette. They wouldn't let me on. But like, <laughs> but if put in that situation, well, you know, I'm a really easy crier. And 
only at TV, really. And so it's just, I can be emotionally swept away by these situations. <laughs> and I think when you're in it, you can be emotionally swept away by these situations. Sure, sure. Okay, that that's fair. <laughs> I just think that he's like super whatever. And like, I don't know, I can't get a great feel for like either of these people at this point. Like Zach, I kind of don't care, but the Rachel of it all is kind of what, what I'm more interested in. And I'm just like, to your point about Rachel caring about the narrative, she's been talking a lot about, about deserving to be the bachelorette, like being a good bachelorette versus a bad bachelorette. And she's very concerned about like the role she's playing. And I just want a full disclosure. I don't like Rachel. I just, I think I would like her in real life, but on TV, she's just like really grading on me. And I'm just sort of like, I don't completely know why. And I also, I also feel guilty about this. Like she hasn't done anything objectively wrong on jam session this week. I said, I wanted to normalize not liking people. And so this is part of my attempt to normalize, uh, just not caring for someone. I just want to okay, know. Okay, Juliet. So, I mean, oh, well, go ahead. What are you going to note? Cause I got a big question. I think if Next. I met her, I actually would like her. I just find Rachel, the TV character, really irritating. But I think that Rachel, the TV character, has morphed a lot as I've been thinking about it because Rachel on night one just seemed, like, so invested in the show and, like, doing everything. Um, she seemed really earnestly excited, and now she seems like she's invested more in the narrative, honestly, like you just said. And I don't know if that's fair, but that's kind of how I'm feeling about her and I also, like, just really am sick of watching her on television. Okay, this is where I would like to push you out of your comfort zone a little, perhaps. Which That's why is I asked to you say... to, to join me, Jody. I knew, I knew you would challenge me in all the right ways. <laughs> I want to, you know, I, I think uh, normalizing not liking people is a great idea. I'm terrified of being on the other end of it. I need everyone. <laughs> I really need everyone to like me. Um, but I, I think that seems perfectly fine. What I need is reasons for not liking okay. someone. Like okay. I, I need some evidence-based answers of what, because you are not alone. Like I see other people out there being frustrated by her and I've just never experienced it until this episode. And my take on this episode is that Rachel has been through a lot of emotional ups and downs throughout this process. And she experienced a low, low, low. And now she is experiencing a power high. Like, <laughs> I think now she has three men who are in love with her and she has never felt that kind of power. And she's like, kind of like high with it and maybe not being as thoughtful as she could be with some of these gentlemen's feelings. But well, I want to understand what is so frustrating about her. Okay. First of all, this is not what's so frustrating about her, but probably my highlight of this entire season, comedy-wise, was <laughs> her and Zach's exchange about coffee when he was, like, really <laughs> earnestly talking about how much he loves coffee and he's, like, you know, kind of outing himself as a coffee snob. And then she's like, yeah, when it's like, you, like, can taste the grinds on your teeth. Like, that was so funny. He was so horrified. Everything about their morning after was so awkward. I and actually, like, did not think that he was being that earnest. I thought that he was trying so hard to make conversation, and they were so over each other yeah. at that point that they, like, could not banter. But that's when I saw her at her most um, unauthentic, <laughs> is when 
it, she, I just felt like she was still trying to push these sort of normal morning after narratives where she kind of flirtily says like that they didn't sleep at all. He yeah. was like, yeah, we had a lot of terrible conversations. And I think she says it talked about family, politics, and... Um, R- religion. And religion, yeah. So those are like really heavy, <laughs> yeah. which... One of the main problems with this season is that we don't know where either of them stand on any of those things. And I don't, I often don't want to know where people stand on many of them because it's just usually complicates the picture here on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. But if you're going to bring it up that way, like I need, I need some information on like not even what your stances are, but just like what's the role that those things play in your life? Like, are you intent on raising your children with a certain religion? Are you, intent on being a fundraiser for certain candidates? Is there a certain cause you really care about? Like what, you know, like what is the role of those things in your life? So that doesn't answer your question. Here's what I turned on Rachel when she canceled the rose ceremony after Logan, um, decided to switch sides. I think that like I was already kind of, um, found her, her very cheesy. And with Clayton, I like I made fun of her a lot for the whispering and I wasn't a huge fan. I like miss the whispering. I prefer <laughs> whispering Rachel. Oh, to bachelor how the Rachel. tables have turned. <laughs> but when she canceled, she canceled the rose, she canceled the date because Logan had switched sides. She didn't, she came across as someone who was like a wallower. And while I think wallowing is a really important part of breakups and like wallowing is sort of like grieving for a breakup, which I think everyone's entitled to and like actually is often quite necessary or grieving a relationship, I should say. I feel like she's an over wallower and now she's wallowing in both like the highs and the lows. And like, um, it just to, to quote Zach seems unauthentic. So that was one moment. And then, you know, I don't understand like what she's doing with Tino. Like I just find, um, her willingness to like accept some of his answers, like terrifying the like, keys. I'm afraid of him. If I were to see Tino out in the wild, I, I would, I would be concerned. So with, with context of this season or without context of this with season, context of this season <laughs> okay, Tino's okay. performance this week was like as, as appalling as anything. I was just like, what's wrong with this guy? But I'm trying to give you other hard facts of why I don't like Rachel, but I think also just like a lot of it is how she talks to the guys. There's no, there's really no depth. Like even when the parents are like, why do you like my son with Tino? She like told an anecdote about him giving blood and how he's like so positive and like generous, which is like, that's like Tino's like persona on Instagram too. So that's just like really surface. Like that's not like an actual, that's like a go-to thing for him. And I, and I'd also don't want to downplay his experience with, um, cancer, which his brother had. And I'm, I'm not saying that's like all he is, but that's something that is clearly a big part of his life and like a, a major talking point. So it's not like anything particularly like deep about Tino that we couldn't find out from other sources. And then similarly with Avon, like when his mom asked, like, what do you like about him? It was like pretty shallow. It's just like, there wasn't, there wasn't really like, she didn't seem like she really connects with these guys. Yeah, maybe you're just a lot more perceptive than I am because I think that I started to notice that this episode or these two episodes this week because this was by far the most time we have spent with any of these people. Any person on the show. 
And it's like the season has sort of trained me to spend no time with them and to not know anything at all and just to take wild guesses at what they might be like. And so I almost found it like, weird and alarming to be spending this much time with them all of a sudden. (laughs) This season, this season is so weird. It's the structure of it is like a nightmare that I have constantly where you haven't (laughs) been to class all semester and then you find yourself in class for the first time having to take the final because it's like, I mean, they've truly like doubled the runtime of the season here in the very final episodes. They did the two weeks, they did the two episodes this week They're doing a two-part finale separated into two weeks, which is one more episode than they usually do. It's just so much time here at the end, which does ultimately, like, help me see more of these people now. But it's, like, the worst time to see it. This is the worst time to be getting to know Tino here at the end. I think this has been happening a lot with this show lately, like the last couple seasons. Like, I think this happened with Clayton season as well, where it was, like, going along fine. It was like, oh, he's going to pick Rachel. We all thought Serene seemed great. We didn't get to know that much about her until her hometown. Like, Gabby, like, you know, the most noteworthy thing about Gabby was when her grandfather called her a lovable dingbat. Like, <laughs> all of all of the, like, really memorable things from Clayton's season outside of Rachel's awful whispering was from hometowns and beyond and then his finale. And I think that, like, a big problem with the show right now is that there's, because the format is tired and the casting is probably challenging... Not nothing that genuine or like exciting really happens before hometowns at this point, or at least the way that they've structured the show. Um, because who was before Clayton? Oh, Michelle. Michelle's season was like also pretty much a snooze the whole time. Like that was just like a boring season. And then with Katie, things really got interesting when Greg self-immolated, right? And like when Blake showed up essentially, and that was like halfway through the show. Um <laughs> Well, and, like, that's not unusual for things to, you know, blow up once, like, real feelings are involved. Yeah. But I actually really liked Michelle's season because I just felt like it was a good example of this completely, like, arcane, outdated, unreasonable system chugging along how it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. Like, the franchise, it's that like Parks and Recreation line. Like the franchise is a microchip and like it has to operate exactly <laughs> how it was made to operate or it's not going to. And these producers thought that they could just add an entire bachelorette and change nothing about right. the system and that it would chug along fine. And it has like completely destroyed it. Yeah, nothing well, makes sense. You know, I've, th- I've been thinking a lot about Hannah Brown season. Yes, I'm obsessed with Tyler. Less than I used to be because, you know, it's just time. But of course, something I'd love to dig in at a later date. (laughs) Tyler, I mean, not Tyler, but Hannah Brown's season was really, really, really good. And I was thinking about like why that was so good. And a really under-discussed piece of that was that Hannah genuinely liked the villain. And so, and that that used to happen more frequently. Like the villains of this season were like total jokes and like didn't really... And, like, that was true of, like, Michelle season two. But Hannah was really into Luke P. Like, she kept him around because she liked him. And, like, that fight they had, I think it was, like, in Scotland when he was, like, wasn't listening to her. But she kept him anyway. Like, 
You, I believe that she actually she, kind of wanted to see him there. She asked the producers if they would go talk to him for her. I remember that, like, Scotland cliffside date, and she was, like, so mad and, like, yelling with the producers, and she was like, can y'all just tell him that? And I was, it was the only time where I've ever been like, oh, there are boundaries here, because they were like, no, of course not. <laughs> but, like, if you think about that, she chose the wrong guy. She had a generationally hot man she had uh, sex in the windmill multiple times and Jesus still loved her. She moved the the dais for the... <laughs> pedestal. The pedestal for the roses. She had Luke. Like, there was just so much happening in that season before the finale. And I just think that, like, because of how reality TV has evolved and also just for a lack of creativity, not enough is, like, happening early on. And with this season, the things that were happening were all about, like picking a side and there was no character development early on. And so, uh, including of Rachel and Gabby. And so that's why I think like, as we get to see them now and Gabby's like, keeps focusing on my decision, my decision, my decision. And Rachel's like, just like smiling to get through it. It's just sort of like very surprising. We're like, who have we been spending the whole season with? And maybe the guys feel that way too. Yeah. I think that I've said this a thousand times in my writing and I've probably said it a dozen times on this podcast, but the, like, I think fundamental sin of this season is twofold. One, not having enough men. And two, giving those men too much power to choose on The Bachelorette, where, like, men should not have rights or power. <laughs> and I think that, to me, that is what is going to end up, like, blowing up the end of this season, mm. is that... These men, this particular batch, this particular batch of contestants, like still feel the ramifications of that, of like feeling like, and it it obviously is like in the end, it is two people's decision. And like both people should have well, the power. For Gabby. <laughs> right. For Gabby, it's to quote her, it's my decision. It's like, she said that so many times. It was ridiculous. That's not how relationships work as discussed. I talked about this with Callie, but. I I think that she was going too much in the other direction because I think what I believe what she was trying to say is that like, no one is going to make my decision for me. Not that only her decision matters, but like that, uh, I don't know. She was, this was a hard time for her. This was a hard this is a hard stretch for her getting broken up with by Twice. a man who said that she was one of the dopest girls I've ever hung with, <laughs> I think. Johnny. Johnny. Oh How my dare God. you? Johnny. Johnny, who do you feel like you know more about? Johnny from this season or Justin from Katie's season? Ooh. I, I did I know I, more about Johnny. Yeah, I think I know more about Johnny, too. And I actually did not dislike Johnny at all. I, I, I don't know that that's a... I don't know what people feel about him. I don't know if that's a popular opinion. But the thing I liked about Johnny is that he and Gabby had fun together. And I think that Eric seems, like, fine. And, like, he he's way better than he could be for how good looking he is and how tall he is we and how him. blonde he is. Yeah, I we assumed. Remember in our bio breakdown, we were like, and now there's Eric. He's really hot. Like <laughs> <laughs> he still remains very hot. Um, 
So I, I agree with you. I think Eric seems fine. I think he seems sweet, honestly. Like, I, I don't know. We don't know a lot about him. And my, I was going over everyone on the show who, and I find almost everyone like pretty annoying at this point. But Eric, I was like, eh, I just kind of forgot about him. He's okay. Oh, see, well, what I was going to say, I don't, I don't find him annoying at all, but I just, I, they don't, I do not understand their chemistry. Watching them together is so inelegant. Like the way that they converse, it doesn't, sound fun. It doesn't make sense. And Gabby says in this episode, we have a hard time communicating with one another, which is like one of four fundamental foundations to a marriage. And the other ones are like finance, which you know they're not discussing. It's like, if you can't get communication in the in six weeks, like, or if it's already an issue, that seems like a big problem, but I think I just struggle with, I think what everyone was so charmed with about Gabby is, is how fun she is and how much she's, how odd she is. And a lot of that seems to disappear when she's with Eric. And maybe that's what she likes about him. Like that she can be, a you know, all the different versions of herself, which is something that she talks about a lot. And that makes a ton of sense. It is not fun for me personally to watch. (laughs) I think there's two factors there. One, we've seen so little of them. So honestly, who knows? But also number two, I feel like having met her father, met his father and being an ICU nurse, nurses are really empathic, compassionate people. And I just wonder if there's an element of like not being able to sort of separate from that reality, Um, especially because he introduced her like, you know, from what we saw this past week. Since she's now met him, he can like speak about his father and his family in a different way and like what they've gone through. And so I do feel like that might like way over it, maybe way over them. Maybe I'm giving them too much credit for that. But I I do think that nurses are really special people. And I think that being an ICU, ner- ICU nurse is like really hard. Um, yeah. And I like, uh, I, I just like, if you ever had a hospital stay, like you realize that like nurses are like the foundation of healthcare and like, just like so underappreciated. And so I do think there has to be like a piece of that at at play with them. Well, they do seem really close and like their relationship has obviously become very intimate even before the fantasy suite dates. And I think a lot of, because of that hometown visit. And so like, logically it makes sense to me. I just don't see it. But she loves nothing more than just climbing on that big man's lap. Like she, the way that she always gets in his lap and she doesn't do it to any of the other big men. She said in this episode, I want to crawl inside you. (laughs) (laughs) So one thing that's just like also a lot more fun about Gabby. And again, it's like unfair to pit them against each other. But like Gabby is so funny about sex. Like when she like she uses a lot of euphemisms that are just like so silly. And then when she was like, I just want Jason to, to hit my butt with the racket. Like that was just like so funny and silly. And to your point about Rachel, she's definitely, you know, like more, there's like more of like a, um, I don't know, like an artificial sweetness to how she's approaching some of this. And I just want to be clear. I don't think any, everyone needs to have the same relationship to sex as Gabby and like whatever it is. Also, I support all of the, I support both of them and like, sleep with who you want, do do your thing. But I just feel like there's a, there's a levity to Gabby that Rachel does not have. And maybe because it's a comparison, it makes her seem like more of a drag. And that's like an unfair read by me. I guess I just, I feel very self-conscious about disliking her. That's just sort of my, my bottom line is I just feel bad. I can't fully explain it, but I do. 
Did you like when after, or did you have any feelings about when after Avon's uh, fantasy suite, she was like, Avon's got the full package. <laughs> the full package. <laughs> she said package. That's pretty straightforward. That's she looked like, I mean, that was great news. Avon is who I feel like I know the least. And maybe it's because I spend all of his on-camera time just kind of like staring at his face. Like he's he very, just has very hot, such yeah. lovely features. Yeah, he's a beautiful that, like, man. But I, I don't know, I don't know a thing about him. I, it's kind of like Pilot Pete in his season. And then like after the fantasy suite, R- Rachel looked like she had like been run over by a truck. I mean, she just <laughs> In a good looked, way. Yeah, like in a, in a great all night sort of way. <laughs> like it, it looked, it looked like things had gone well. And then in her testimonial, when she, <laughs> she was like, he's got the full package. I was like, okay, Avon. And, and I think that was big for Rachel because I had assumed Definitely. that Avon was her third place uh, going into the fantasy suites. And then Zach got the old religion and politics conversation and quickly moved into third. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. All right, it's official. I think I've discovered the ultimate coupling of all time. Like any good relationship, they really balance each other out. One is super sweet and the other... Well, they can be a little nutty sometimes. It is, of course, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. So perfect, some would call it true love. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. eBay knows that when it comes to jewelry, authenticity is the real gem. When you see the blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, It means your next piece will be carefully inspired by jewelry experts and will always be worth its weight in gold. Whether you're looking to make a statement or build the perfect everyday look, eBay is making sure you get the real deal. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that jaw-dropping piece will always arrive jaw-droppingly real. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. The thing that's so weird about that is she said that his hometown was the best. So like, did none of that stuff come up? I wonder if he brought some of that stuff up and she was just like, nah, no thanks. Zach, you mean, or Avon? Zach. She told Zach that their hometown was her best hometown. Mm. And so you would think that some of those heavy topics would come up if they were a big deal. So I wonder I wonder who brought that stuff up like, and why you didn't talk about it when you were in his home. And also, like, I don't know, because maybe it was stuff that she brought up and wanted to follow up on. I don't know. Politics and religion. I mean, you got to be aligned on those, so... But it's like, and I guess, you know, you asked me early on what I think happened in there. It's like my one option is that Rachel was trying to kind of create a narrative to break up with him that made sense that was not actually based in reality. The other option is, yeah, that they completely fundamentally disagree on those things. But if that's the case, why not just say it? I know. I know. I, I don't I don't get it. Also, why was he so confused? Like, I just don't. I don't understand. I I look forward to finding out. Let, which let's let's spin forward. The episode ends with Jesse 
in a studio with boxes all around. It kind of looks like he's at like the site of a future haunted house for Halloween that like hasn't been built yet. And there's just like <laughs> shit around him. Called it the elephant graveyard of uh, <laughs> after the final rose set in my <laughs> recap. It was just like, why did they make it look so desolate? <laughs> Let's read what he said. And luckily, you put it in your recap, so I have it handy. Right. Here, here's what Jesse said. He, basically, he told us to prepare ourselves. He said, get yourselves ready and prepare yourselves for the most shocking finale of all time. He also said to take some time. And he said, hey, Jesse Palmer here. So what could happen that's the most shocking thing of all time? Like... Here's here's what I would say is, is up there in contention for the most shocking Bachelorette finales of all time. Um, I guess Hannah Brown breaking up with Jed in between the time that she accepted his proposal and the um, after the final rose and then asking Tyler out and him like saying yes, though I know for sure he didn't want to. Um, and like, what else is up there? Um, Nick Vial asking Andy... If you were in, if you weren't in love with me, why, why did, did you, you make sleep love with me? me? Yeah. Make love to me. That's what it was. <laughs> like, that's what I would say is up there for, for me. Like, so what do you think that Jesse could be referring to? Okay. Real quick, Juliet, as Jesse's number one fan, I <laughs> need you to acknowledge that that display in <laughs> after the final rose set and that speech was one of the most absurd things that I think I've ever seen happen on the franchise. I know he doesn't write these lines and yet he is the mouthpiece and he had to agree one way or another. He was he said I have I have even more of it written down. I have it fully transcribed with my like insane notes that I take like Let's hear they, it, Jody. <laughs> he says Things have just been so emotional. They've been so dramatic for both Gabby and Rachel that we felt it was right to take a moment and to prepare ourselves for the shocking events that are about to take place. Events that are going to change both Rachel and Gabby's lives forever. I think that Jesse lost the right to say that that seems to be his line, like, things are going to change their lives forever. That's a line he's been calling on a lot, whether it's for giving out cruise tickets or for the end <laughs> of The Bachelorette, is that, like, lives will be changed because, you know, I think Chris Harrison still has rights to, like, the most dramatic season ever. But the way finale. that he was... Most dramatic finale ever. Most dramatic finale ever. The way that he finale, was... Finale, Jody. He's always fin said finale. He said finale? He did, yeah. Uh, he is from Texas like me. Wait, Chris Harrison said finale? Finale. Chris Harrison said finale. Weird. Yeah. I did not. I did not ever clock that. The way that he was telling us to prepare ourselves and the way that he was saying like that they needed to prepare themselves was just so outlandish. This is clearly a scheduling issue that has a lot to do with football. So let's not, let's not for, pretend like we need to do a lot of self-care before we watch this finale. Agreed. Agreed. This has to do with football. <laughs> However, I do think that they added an episode. I don't think this was always the plan. Um, so I think... Well, that, they need time to edit. We need... They need to prepare themselves to edit the episode. Listen, in all the information I have... I don't have any information to this. I've, <laughs> I've tried really hard to stay, like, really spoiler-free the last few years. It's a lot more fun. But something had to have happened at the conclusion of filming till now that they had to go and shoot 
and account for. And right. so, because that's usually what happens. What happened with Ari? It's like, what happened? You know, there's like frequently like, oh my God, this isn't working out or whatever, whatever. It happened last season with Clayton and Susie. Like something has to have transpired. And in, in, um, let's see, when did they stop filming? I think at the end of May. So in the last like three to four months um, had to have changed that like they're going to have to account for. What I'm just confused about is like, what are the possible outcomes for Gabby here? Like she's not getting back. Callie would love it if she got back with Nate, but the fact that Nate was on the mentel all mean that that's not happening. Like if that was the case, he would not have gotten so much time. It just would have been different. Johnny's I- gone and he's in paradise. <laughs> <laughs> and Jason self eliminated. Basically. He was just like, I don't want this. So, yeah, well, I'm, pre- pre- I'm prepared now that you have given me the time and the space and I appreciate it to rant about Jesse's speech, which was a personal affront to me. Although I must say, I also really like Jesse and I, I think he's been a great host. That speech oh, was I, didn't, just outlandish. I, I didn't acknowledge your thing about Jesse. Here's the thing about why I'm the reason why I love him. <laughs> Juliet, I want to be extremely clear that I did not ask you why you loved him. <laughs> <laughs> you are offering that information freely and I will gladly accept it. Hit me. Thanks, Jody. Jesse has this like absurdist performance art going on. I don't <laughs> even know if he's aware of it. I don't know. It's completely intentional, but the way that he is playing this and the way that he's being presented is like so perfect for this bachelor moment. It, it actually like couldn't be better where that because he's been on the show and because he's like, just like this nice guy who mostly has been like a football broadcaster for the last 10 years. He's like by him, like returning to this franchise and like stepping in and like kind of like acting like um, he's not even like, he's not paternalistic, but he's like available and like, just like there to like bounce ideas off of. He seems like a genuinely good listener. Totally. He seems (laughs) like a good listener. He also seems like a perfect, like, um, vessel to project stuff on, whether you're the lead or a contestant, like his, his mimbo-ness is so perfect for this. And the way that he's playing it so straight, but like, feels like there's a wink at the camera, even if he's not winking is pitch perfect for me. I I, honestly, like, I think it is so necessary. And if it was like someone who was taking this more seriously or more of a joke, it would put like the Gabby and Rachel in a totally different light. And so I actually like, I joke about how much I love Jesse, but I do think that his, I do love him. And I do think that his tone is actually like one of the best evolutions to happen to the show in a while. It's so much better than like the, the sanctimony that Chris Harrison brought. Like I'll never get over the sit down with Matt James and the premiere of his episode, like to talk about race. Like that was so, so horrible. And like, there's no way Jesse would ever do that. Like I'm not, not because Jesse's like has like a moral compass or like tapped into race relations in a certain way, but like, he's just a different type of host. And I think this show has also learned his lessons, but I just feel like Jesse, this absurdism that he brings intentionally or not is perfect. That I is, completely and, agree and about his Jesse tone. rant. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all have a lot of, we have all, we have projected onto Jesse because like we have nothing about this season <laughs> that we're projecting all these feelings onto Jesse. But I totally agree about his tone. His like, his ability to be serious, but have a wink about it is really important and a great relief from Chris Harrison, who was very self-serious and sanctimonious about yeah. this 
absurd franchise that like does not create love in in in, <laughs> in almost any way historically speaking um and i and i jesse does not give off any sort of ego and that's yeah. you know so surprising from someone like so good looking who's been in the public eye for so long and i really like that about him as okay now that we're done with jesse <laughs> My predictions for the for the rest of the season, I, I thought that the um that the preview are 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 we are we good to talk about the preview? Yeah, this is of like no spoilers. Um this is conjecture it, based on the evidence we have. <laughs> right. Made it incredibly I mean, I shouldn't say obvious, I'll probably be totally wrong, but to me it like laid out exactly what was gonna happen, which is that now that Eric has realized that he's the only one left. I, I really believe that he loves Gabby, but there's mm-hmm. always an element of love and winning in this show. And now that he understands that he could perhaps get away with maintaining Gabby without getting engaged, he's going to start questioning the idea of getting engaged. And within just like the last episode, Gabby has really come around to the idea of getting engaged. Yeah. And she says a number of times, like, I've grown... I, I think she came into the show not assuming she would get engaged. We never heard her talk about it. She did not prioritize it. And now it seems like it's something that's really important <laughs> to her all of a sudden. And so I think that's going to be a huge issue. But my guess is that they will still end up together. I just... I think they're going to... I think those two crazy kids are going to figure it out. I do too. I think they seem really into each other. Um, I think they're also really attracted to each other. Like, I think they just yeah. like want to bone a lot more. Um, yeah. That'll so, take you far. It'll yeah. take you, it'll take you right <laughs> off the season. Take you straight uh, to Neil Lane's hotel room. <laughs> Woof. Um, it seems to me from that preview and from the settings that we see Rachel in that clearly some of this filming in the in whatever this two part finale is is going to take place outside of the confines of the show and within what do they call it where they put each where they put them like in an Airbnb and they call it like a happy house or something ha- it's like happy couple weekend something like that okay it seems like something is really going to go down on their happy couple weekends and with those two i just don't know i mean tinos i, I mean tinos seems psycho so uh, I don't know. She she says something like, how could you do, or like, why would you do this yeah. in a way that's like, did he cheat on her? My assumption uh, is that I just don't see Avon as like, as a real, it's just been Tino all along, I think. Yeah. And I think Tino is in it it's to like win. Ag- Agatha all along. Tino all along. <laughs> exactly Evil neighbor. Like, it is exactly <laughs> like that. Uh, that. It seems like they're going to happily and easily get engaged within the show. And then things are just going to blow up Hannah Brown style. That's I can't wait. Guess. I can't wait. How much does a really good final three weeks make up for a really shitty season for you? I think it it totally depends on this finale because while the fantasy suites were extremely fruitful, uh, but plot development wise, their their like core faults was that we have no idea what happened. Every single important thing that happened happened behind closed doors. Right. So like listening to Zach talk about what was going on, or even like listening to Eric and Gabby work through their issue when like she got frustrated with him. They're talking about all these conversations that not only have we not heard, but they are guarding 
because they're the only private thing that they have in their lives right now. And so, like, the fantasy suites, while more interesting than the show has been in a, in a couple of episodes, uh, they didn't they didn't really do it for me. But I mean, you know, I would. Here's one thing I would really enjoy seeing Tino taken down to the ground. Me too. That could make up for a lot this season. I I think it's unequivocal that there's just there's like a narrative failure. Like there's no way around that reality. But I do like a good confrontation. I do like a messy finale. You know, like Ari season was so boring, but Ari's finale was so wow. riveting that yeah. it does it, it can it's go a, a long example. way. But I don't I don't think that will ever be um like I don't know that should like should be recreated because like that was really horrible for Becca and I also think for Ari, but whatever, everyone ended up happy, so it's fine. But like I don't think like that kind of thing will happen again. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I the, will the, say like, that I, one note I made during the fantasy suites is like this season is giving me big um like go back and choose someone you previously rejected vibes. Mm. But I can't actually figure out what configuration of that would work for like Rachel or Gabby, like who they'd go. I, Rachel could go back to Avon if she chooses Tino. That would yeah, be maybe she maybe she maybe she pulls a Hannah Brown and she asks Avon out on stage or something, which would be great because Avon seems awesome. <laughs> so, or maybe she goes back to Zach and she like apologizes. I don't. I don't think that one's gonna work. I think that is about to blow <laughs> up. She's about to ruin Zach's life for questioning her character. The worst thing you can do on reality television. I also, I don't see Gabby like going back. Like she doesn't seem like someone who, who revisits her choices. Not like in a bad way, but she's just sort of like a no regrets type of person to me. Or I feel like, I feel like she has such a tough um, relationship with her parents that like with everyone else, it's just like onward. Bye. I think if it's someone that she broke up with, that she could revisit it because mm. she seems to have like kind because of been in love. My decision. Yes, exactly. If it was her decision to break up with them, then she could revisit the idea. Or like, she, you know, she could just go out with Johnny again if he makes it out of paradise, you know, un, unengaged, which seems likely unless there's, you know, the dopest girl he's ever hung out with is in paradise, in which case they'll probably get engaged. <laughs> That's what he's looking for. But she just seems to like have really liked a lot of these dudes in a surprising way. Um yeah. I, I think Jason's off the table, but who knows? Who knows who else? Seriously. Well, I'm looking forward to finding out. Um, please check out Jody's recaps on theringer.com if you haven't already. Jody, thank you so much. Thank you to Erica Cervantes for producing this episode. Callie and I will be back Tuesday night after live finale part one. Can't wait. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.